Welcome to Believe TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And tonight we're doing The Walking Dead. Uh, this was episode four. The uh, title was Here's Not Here. Um, the director was Stephen Williams. This is not one I'm used to. I think he was new for The Walking Dead. Um, I know he's got some credentials with Americans, Lost, and a few other shows. Kind of the same credentials a lot of the other directors share. Good shows, uh, and, though. And, of course, the writer was uh, Scotty Gimple. Um, so this was the Morgan flashback. Uh, all 90 minutes of it. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on this one, bro? Well, my original thoughts going into tonight were, welcome to the shortest podcast that we'll probably ever do. <laughs> um, all right don't get me wrong i think this is a good episode i think they nailed what they wanted to do with this episode i will say though i feel like it's kind of a buzzkill based on the glenn and rick situation i still heavily wanted to know what would happen to them more than an hour and a half of morgan's flashback I hear you, and I, I think a lot of people agree with that. Um, you know, I also heard a lot of people. You know, when we had feedback, and I was talking back and forth. Um, we're kind of complaining about why now? Why do we have to get this bottle episode after the third episode? Um, my overall impression of the episode was um, the first thirty minutes were slow to me. Um, but another thing, I, a lot of people I felt like struggled with, which I kind of figured is that I knew going in this was going to be a Morgan flashback episode, and I've been looking forward to this. But I also kept my expectations low, knowing that we were probably not going to find out about Rick. We were not going to find out about Glenn. And I had made peace with that before this episode ever aired. And so for that, I was just wanting to see if the quality of the episode was good. As to the episode, the first 30 minutes were a little slow. Um, was kind of interesting. It had like a bunch of flashes and tidbits and stuff, but um, but the last hour, uh, minus all the the enormous amount of commercials and first looks at other shows, um, I really really enjoyed. And I think the reason mainly was is the two actors involved did a phenomenal job. I really really enjoyed the acting. Um, I really thought it was exceptional. And it had some really unique kind of twists and turns with the story that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think the the actors definitely carried this episode for sure. They were they were great. I was not expecting who they chose to be the no me the neither splinter master splinter. I, yeah, exactly. This was a, a middle aged overweight white dude splinter, and this was not what I expected. Whatsoever. I mean, to be honest, when you first saw the guy, you were like, "No way!" Yeah. Mm. This is the Bo Staff champion that go train him. Uh, I know how he turned out to be so much more. Yeah, he, I think he pulled it off fantastic. I like his backstory, being a criminal psychologist and all that type of stuff. I think that was excellent. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it was an uncanny story, but I enjoyed it. And I'm happy they went for it. I could see where a lot of people are like, yeah, what are the odds you meet that with that kind of story behind it, you know? Um, but, you know, if you didn't have all that, then what kind of episode you're dealing with? You know, there's just not a lot of not a lot of seasoning on that chicken, you know? So I enjoyed it. I, I wouldn't say it's the most epic, but I would say it's one of the best bottle episodes. You know, we've had several of those in, throughout the seasons, and I enjoyed this one a lot. Yeah, I, 
you talked about making your peace with it being a Morgan flashback episode. I think I did too, but I kind of had it where I was going to allow an hour of it, but I was hoping the other 30 minutes would be with the other group because I, I still, although I enjoyed the episode, I feel like they could have shaved 30 minutes off of it. You know, and I agree with that. You Now, if you take the five minutes for Preacher and the five minutes for the Badlands and the, you have to admit there was some excessive commercialing. Oh yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I'm with you. And that is a legitimate complaint that why 90 minutes, um, it could have been condensed. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It, it didn't bother me so much, but I, I know you, I know a lot of people do com- did complain about that. Well, there's just a lot of scenes of just like Morgan in a trance. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like knock off a couple of those, knock off a couple scenes of him just looking through a window, you know, whatever, just, I don't want to say get to the point because I don't think they just wasted time in the episode, but I feel like they could have trimmed some fat. Yes. Made it a little more concise. And I it would agree. have been better. Like I said, the first 30 minutes were slow for me. And they spent a lot of time kind of setting up his his mental status is what I look at it. But I think anybody who's a viewer already knew his mental status. So why do we have to breach through so much material to reaffirm that before we got to this? I guess that was my biggest thing. I mean, how many scenes do we see him writing here's not here or clear or this or that? So many different places in so many different ways. Why? Why do I have to see all that again? We we knew it. We already knew he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Sharpening and, a stick on a rock. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, so the, those are little things that I think we could have you know, slimmed up a little bit. Um you know, but the, like the episode starts, you know, like we talked about, it was a little slow, but you know, it's him clearing, it's killing these walkers. He's making this little field area where he's burning them and sharpening these sticks and making this perimeter. And yeah, it's just backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards and forwards. And then he, um, then he gets encountered by two humans, you know, unturned. Um, I'm, it looks like a, does it look like a father son combination to you? I don't know. Kid seemed a little old and him to be a little young to be father-son. You get yeah, that? I think it worked against each other both ways. The father looked too young. The son looked too old. Right. So um, I would say maybe older brother, younger brother. Right. Uh, brutal. The, Surprising. <laughs> the stick to the throat was yeah. pretty tough. Kind of surprised, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, and then where he chokes the guy out... Um, you know, later in the episode, we see this, he come back as a walker. I was really surprised that this wasn't a situation where, was there, were they just left there to turn? Why was there not a damage to the head or something that cleared them? You know, I mean, that, I thought that was like, kind why of a mistake later on. Yeah. At first, I was kind of, when I first saw him return later in the, at the end of the episode, I wondered why he looked so bad. Quick. This is a fresh turner, I would assume. But they don't show you how long Morgan's been at the cabin. Right. You don't get an exact time length. So I guess he could have been a little more rotted and, you know, his face all sunken and stuff, but he looked pretty turned. He looked like he'd been sitting there for a while. I mean, what do you think to look like that? How long would it have to be? For that much of sunken face and all that stuff, I'm going at least a month too. Maybe more. Yeah, see, I was thinking at least a month. Yeah, to have that level and that kind of heat, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know way. Yeah, he was he was pretty rot, you know. So yeah. Um, but the cool scene about the you know the walker stuck on the in the poles and all that stuff. But then how about the fire walker, the guy who you know runs through the fire? Um, CG to, not perfect. It was not perfect. The CG flames on the body were you could tell a little yeah. bit. Um, but as soon as this happened, I was like, oh, that's a cool effect. But I was like, wait a minute. Why would the walker go through the fire? You know, because the fire is what's attracting him. And he wasn't making any noise when this happened. So why would it go through the fire to get to something he couldn't hear? You know what I'm saying? It was just, that might be a little nitpicky, but it did kind of cross my mind. I'm never going to really nitpick too much when they just want to go for a cool effect. Right. You know, that's fine with me. You know, I just, as long as it's fitting, that's fine. Right. All right. There was a part where he was carving letters on a tree. Did you see this? Yeah, he put clear. Right. You know, you know. the funny thing is that one of those was letter A, and this brought me way back to about two or three weeks ago when we had the Carol Kill Show, okay? And if you remember, at the end of that episode, Carol breaks down sitting on her, on her stoop or her steps, and we were all curious about that A on the post, Right, mm-hmm. um, we had a, you know, our podcast fan, one of our guys that hits us up all the time, Eric. He sent me in a cool little feedback at it, and I'm going to interject it real quick, and okay. and you, maybe you'll have more about it. Um, he said, guys, concerning that A, I don't know how the book read um, Ron's story, but the A could be Ron accusing his mother of being an adulteress. Uh, he could be pissed about his mother admitting that she liked Rick. I'm not sure if this is the Anderson's house that Carol was sitting in from. The A reminds me of the subject of a classic book, like The Scarlet Letter, which an adulteress was forced to wear a red A. It would fit perfect. Um, could also be Ron accusing Enid, uh, too, of adultery. He's got woman problems. It's funny how Rick and Carl both move in on the same women. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? And... Um, you know, I thought that was kind of a neat little interpretation there that, you know, it has some classic book, novel with it, or even more. But uh, I think you uh, kind of researched it a little bit when I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. And what'd you come up with? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that we had totally forgotten from last season that that is the stamp that Sam walks around with. And anytime new people come into the community, he would stamp their hands. You'll remember it when they come to the dinner party, you know, all cleaned up. That first night they get to meet everyone, stamps are running around. Sam's running around stamping people's hand. That's what it is. Totally forgot that. It's Sam has stamped Carol's front porch, letting her know that he feels that she's a part of the community, which is why I feel like she broke down. Because once you feel like you're a part of the community, it hits you that all these people are dead around you. you Right. Very plausible. Um, I need to go back and see if that A on that post looked a little, you know, scruffy or not clean or crisp. So maybe, but no, that that seems most plausible right now. So yeah, I mean, but it is crazy how if you forget this little small detail, how quickly your mind can go to start feeding into oh this. Oh my god! Yeah, your imagination takes over. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. So, back to the episode. Morgan hears a goat in the background after he has this little crazy moment in the field. And this is where we meet Tabitha. Um, before we know her, her name's Tabitha. And um, and this is where we make our first encounter with... Um, <laughs> Eastman. Eastman. Uh, and 
I recognized the voice when it was talking. I did too. I did not put the face with the name. No, I knew the voice at all. I knew exactly who it was when I heard the voice, but I was so surprised it was him. Yeah. Of course, you know, he pulls this, uh, Morgan pulls his assault rifle out, you know, future around here, and the guy's like, you know, you can put your gun down, you know, and different things. And I was kind of really, it was really kind of humorous. Um, during this part of the episode, I really enjoyed the, the how the, like, the camera vision changed to, like, intensity of the heartbeat and different things. I was enjoying it. You know, they did it a couple times before he even got to this, and I liked it. Um, and of course he does the classic, Oh, I'm gonna look this way. And then, Oh, wait a minute. Let me turn around, look this way. And then whop, you know, yeah. smoke in the head. What, what do you remember this guy from? Oh, we'll see. He was the husband of the police officer in Fargo. He is, he was the husband of a police officer in third watch. He has played, um, I think he did a documentary about serial killers and he played one of the serial killers, Casey or something like that. One of the fat one that was a clown. He is he has been in a ton of stuff. He's also was in the Americans. Um, I had a weird callback for this guy. Do you remember the Halle Berry movie Gothica? Yes. He is the police officer with the woman on fire tattoo on his chest <laughs> that's doing the snuff films. <laughs> wow! With the judge. Wow! He was the, ended up being the bad guy. Yeah. And I was like. Damn, that's like weird. That's where that's, your mind goes. You call I mean, back to that just, I mean, Gothica, that was, what was that, 10 years ago? 15? Oh, longer than that, yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, I was really surprised. I was like, man, what a pull. Yeah. And just let me say again, this guy did a great job. I mean, man, I really enjoyed seeing him. I mean, don't get me wrong, he was middle-aged overweight and did not carry himself with the bow staff very well to pull that part off of but the rest of it the dialogue and his his relatability and everything was just spot on i really enjoyed that um so morgan wakes up in a jail cell in a cabin and man this was making my mind wonder like hmm who has a jail cell and a cabin yeah at first i was like where the hell did he get the bars and the the (laughs) metal and all this stuff. It's yeah. like, they got some explaining to do. Yeah. And it took a while before we got that explaining, um, but we did. Um, so, of course, he introduces them. Eastman throws them the book, The Art of Peace, which, of course, is the kind of the opposite of The Art of War, uh, I guess. Um, the, you know, I didn't look it up. You know, I wanted to look up the art of The Art of Peace and see if it had any cool touchbacks Did you, do you know anything about the book at all no i guess it's kind of like the aikido bible you know it's just what they kept preaching through the whole episode all life is precious right you know right um you literally go out of your way to never take life mm-hmm. all life is precious right um we get the background story we learned that eastman is a forensic psychologist um and uh he goes ahead and makes his initial diagnosis that he has PTSD, and uh, and Morgan's like, "Well, I'm I gotta clear. I'm a, if it lives, I kill it. If it's not, I kill it. Da 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 da." He says, "That's the biggest load of horse shite you ever heard." You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like the way this guy slow plays Morgan. The um, you know through the first half of meeting him, you know, just kind of basically take you know being a good listener, taking in anything Morgan says. And then just 
throwing it in his face immediately. Exactly. You know, it was kind of like he was he was letting him get acclimated to his surroundings and see that he's peaceful, he's getting fed, and not realize there's not a threat. And uh, it was good that they showed that. I like that. Um, you know, he really went into the detail about his history. He talked about how he's, um, you know, he's interviewed over 825 different people and only one was truly evil and as soon as he said that i was like writing it in bold on my notes going yeah mm, who is this one evil i want to know i want to know now you know are we going to get something for this and of course we did and i was that was awesome um and of course again the whole analogy you know you keep going through that door and it keeps hurting keep going through that door and hurting so now you've stopped and you just live in misery you've got to keep going through those doors eventually one's going to open up to a greener pastures and uh Strangely enough, I've heard something very similar to this with uh, people that I work with that, who have this kind of profession similar. And so I know exactly what he's talking about. And so I really thought that was something that was good about the episode. I appreciated that detail. Yeah, I feel like they went and spoke to a maybe a therapist or a psychiatrist and kind of got a you know a good take on what somebody like Morgan would have gone through. Mm-hmm. And you know, put that into the writing to make it seem more realistic implausible yeah the homework and was done you can t- you could tell by a lot of the thing, little things they did and i had a weird twinge too though that i thought that he might end up being the one that was evil Ooh. in a strange way like when it when it first happened i was like you know what if he ends up being you know a serial killer or something mm, like that that that's survived a, that's deep man that's deep well i just thought it would been a cool twist possibly yeah well it, kind of i mean he did have a dark turn think about it yeah um so he gives him the ultimatum stay or go you know your options you can stay here on the couch or you go so i will not let you kill me i will not let you kill me yeah (laughs) and uh there is no key the door's always been open and so he comes out and of course he attacks him and uh Pays the price for it, you know. I thought I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and pretty slow, pretty slow grappling on the ground there. Yes, both of them. Yes, just. Uh, but you know, I appreciated it. It was actually a little more believable. It's not like he just immediately kicked his ass. You know, for every little move, he actually did get the best of him a little bit. He actually did get his hands <laughs> around his throat. I want some Steven Seagal sped up oh, film. Oh my. You want somebody else that has like a 45 inch waist and narrow <laughs> shoulders to be able to move around and just move, an, move a wrist and watch a guy fly through the air. You no, that's know, right. That's give me right. a break. I want that pear body to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holding beads in one hand and then whipping ass with the other two fingers. I like yes, that. absolutely. <laughs> Akita. Kicky foot. <laughs> anyway, so they um, then he discusses you know his Akito you know and his daughter um, about how his he was having a bad day crying in the garage and he's like you know my daughter found me and gave me this uh, rabbit foot another great you know answer to uh, questions from earlier in the season you know yep. uh, I really appreciated a lot of these little payoffs. And that's one of the things I, I really didn't go with. Um, so, why do you think Morgan has not turned yet at this point? You know, because he was still very adversarial. He wouldn't go with him on the supply run. 
and different things. Was this all part of the setup as being a psychologist or was it just, was there something more to it? I think some of it was tests, you know. Okay, he doesn't want to go with me. All right, I'll see how he does when I leave him at the house by himself. You got to trust him to not burn the place down or be hiding and waiting to kill me or kill his goat, whatever. Um, and then some of it, if they would have made Morgan turn too fast, that wouldn't have seemed plausible either. I agree. I like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, it really it does. I mean, he hears the goat in distress out there and a, a walker coming up on it and he takes care of these two walkers with an awesome school special effects. How about the head going through the stool? Yeah, the flipped over stool. Yeah, yeah I thought that was sweet. Awesome. It was something new. It was original. You know, when, we've only seen a thousand different walker deaths and they still come up with new and original things. I thought that was cool. And that was a pretty blunt stump stool too, you know. Yes. It's like, these things are squishy at this point. <laughs> I mean. And then, I really appreciated. Did you notice that the second zombie kill was all practical effects? Did you see that? It was like a true dummy, and he actually stabbed into it. Like, I slow-moed it. I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Usually, you get the whole CG blood go everywhere, and this was more, you could definitely tell, was the real deal. Anytime they do that, it always just feels better. Yeah, it has a better payoff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I really I really like that. Um, so, of course, Eastman comes back. Option A. Fix the fence. Option B, you got to come inside, you know. Um, I don't know why he was giving him options. It was no, it wasn't like, options. He said two things. Two things. One, you tore up a perfectly good tomato bush. So you got to fix it. And then two was, I can't remember. You, you come up here, I got to fix you. I got I fixed your spear. I yeah, like it. that's what it was. I love how he fixed his spear. Cut the end of it off. Yeah, cut the sharp <laughs> yeah, point off it. and whittled it down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that. So, of course, they go into training mode heavy set style and you know these slow actions and so on okay did you notice the t-shirt the man was wearing save the terrapins you know the turtles and yeah the turtles yeah okay so let, let's think about this for a second All right. was that a hidden ninja turtles reference okay thank you as well <laughs> as do you know one of the creators of the ninja turtles last name was eastman oh really so his name's Eastman. He's wearing the Ninja Turtles, you know, a, a shirt that says Save the Turtles on it. He's using a bow staff. I mean... I mean, it can't be a coincidence that I mean, much. it's come on. How, I want to know if the bad guy that's mentioned later, you know, the Crichton... Wardow, I can't look up his name. I wonder if that's like one of those names is like... The guy who created Shredder or something. You know, I'd love to go yeah. even deep, you know. That'd have been cool. And I like that. I like those <laughs> I little hidden I think that's pretty sweet. I wonder Easter if it eggs. really does have a connection. Yeah, I gotta, that's I gotta, cool either I way. I check on some blogs and see if there's a, a really little deal with that. Yeah, if it would have been. Easter eggs like that. <laughs> Michael Bebop, Rocksteady. Yeah. That would have been like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, but, you know, they could have gone with like a Baxter Stockman, you know. the Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it would have been too obvious. Yeah, but it would have been a plausible name at least, and people could have caught it. You know, it's right. like oh, okay, I know cool. what they're doing here. I know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I did like that. All right, <laughs> you know, of course, this whole they're doing their training stuff. Their and forms. He teaches them about you know you have to learn to accept everyone, love everyone, protect yourself, protect others that needed. You know, all life is precious. 
So then it finally gets to the point where Morgan's like, okay, so why you got the cell in here, dude? You know? Yeah. And it's Crichton, Walton, Dallas. You know? Um, Serial killers always have three names. Yeah, I know it, man. You, you go back to history, it's the way it goes. Um, and so we find out who that one true evil sucker is. And uh, he's like, you know, I knew him. I knew he was a liar. Once he figured out, I knew, he did, what, you know, the whole nine yards, he attacked me. And I made sure he wouldn't get out. But, of course, and this is where I was like, no. He's like, he found what he needed. He escaped. And he came and killed my entire family and turned himself in. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, just, pretty dark. I mean, quick. Yeah. I mean, quick. And I was like, my wife and I were just looking at each other going, man. They, they went from zero to 60 like that. And, yeah. uh but I guess you got to have that impact if he's saying this is truly the one evil person, you know. And uh, I built that cell for him, you know. I figured I'd just put him in there and let him starve to death and I'd watch and so on. And Here's my question. Did his <coughs> wife and two children come back? Hmm. As he says, he went to Atlanta right after that and realized the world was over, right? Not right after. He came back 47 days later. That's true. That's true because he he brought him back in the cell. Right. Um, but I wonder, did they come back? I, they've never given like a definitive day that people started coming back. It makes you wonder if people, the things in the caskets, you know, you're burying somebody. Okay, wait a minute. Now everybody's coming up. You know, is there, are they in there beating the caskets? Like, you know, you'd think. You know, you just. I mean, if they died that day and they were buried. Two days, now nah, everybody's coming back. Yeah. I, mean, you know, I don't think yeah. anybody's getting buried anytime soon. No. Um, so, then, you know, okay, I'm going to cut it right here. This is when they do the preview of a couple of the new shows. They talk about, you know, Into the Badlands, which I feel like they showed the same trailer again and just had a little bit more sprinkle to it. They keep showing basically the same trailer. Right. All they've added was you learn what the, looks like the main character, Sonny, is, mm-hmm. and that he's a clipper. Right. And that they take young orphaned kids and train them to be fighters under the barons. Right. And then, of course, they get some more highlights of action. Stuff. But then I wanted to talk about the Preacher for a second. Preacher is another, like The Walking Dead, is another show that's being adapted from a graphic novel, comic book series. And I know a little bit about it. Um, I'm going to try to get into it a little bit. Um, but what were your thoughts of this, this, you know, the whole preview there? Well, at first I was excited cause it was a couple of fanboys that were making it and Seth Rogen and Greenberg. Um, but the trailer didn't do too much for me yet. I know I, you've I'm talked about it. I did. It kind of was a, a little bit of a letdown because what I do know about the series is, is that this is a preacher who didn't used to be a preacher. This is a person that suffers from, I don't know what you call it, delusions or whatever, but he has, how do you say, you know, he has different interpretation of how he views reality with a lot of different things. And then, of course, the greatest thing is, is that he has friends that are of, of supernatural ability. I mean, like, I think his yeah. best friends is a, is a giant vampire. Yeah, yeah, so... And, I didn't get that vibe at all from the preview. 
And so I'm a little concerned. Well, it's supposed to be about a guy that's given godlike powers who's friends with, like you said, supernatural creatures. And you just don't get that at all from no. the trailer. I so, know. I mean, you just have this little boy walks up to him and talks about hurting somebody and then you get all these quick flashes and you get to see one other little character, the skinny white guy who has kind of this weird cropped hair and he looks like he's dressed as something more than himself. And then later in the episode, in the preview, you see him in the street clothes in a prison cell and he looks like a regular dude. So, I don't know. I just, first interpretation of the, of the preview it didn't give me what I expected. I expected to see a little bit more of the supernatural. I think they were trying to go more realistic. Or they're just not trying to show too much yet. I don't know. This is the world premiere. You know, you think you're going to do something that's going to have the hook. Especially when you got 18 million people watching the episode. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe they weren't going to run it on name alone. You know, hoping that name alone carries it. Gotcha. All right, so back to the episode. Um, there was a strange part that came up next, and this is where Eastman, they talk about, you know, who'd you lose? Let's talk about names. He talks about his children. And then he does this little, you know, does a little training session, and he says, he fixes his stance and says, you know, you're going to hold a baby again one day. Was this not out of left field for you? Yeah. I felt like they reached a little bit with this part. Yeah, it was like they were trying to create a connection, and like, mm, this will work. Yeah, there, I think, you know, the the part where Morgan's holding the baby on the front porch, now that gives that some more significance. Unnecessary, though. I, I'm 100% agree with you. I just felt like it was a, it was too much. It was just, a, like you said, unnecessary. It didn't need that connection. If anything, it brought it down. Shave it off. Like I said, exactly. this is part that could go away on this episode. Absolutely. Um, so of course we talked about it earlier, the Walker that, uh, Morgan killed shows back up highly decomposed quicker than most without a head injury, which you would think Walker, you think Morgan would have, if he was clearing, he would have done a head injury and been on the burn pile or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, Uh, even the throat stab wouldn't have killed that zombie. It's true. It's true. Well, it could have severed the. You know, what is that? Maybe the spinal cord right, right. there. But. No. Um, so anyway, he freezes, and Eastman comes over to, to the rescue um, and turns his back to the walker to save him. Um, so I did a little homework on Aikido. <laughs> and one of the first rules is of Aikido is never turn your back to your opponent. And I was kind of like reading this going, hmm. And there was a lot of people online blowing this up too. Like the Aikido master has failed lesson one and died <laughs> for it. Um, no, nah, this was very weak. Weak. <sighs> yes. Yes. I did. I didn't like this. I didn't. And my wife was next to me and she was mad. And then she started crying. And I was like, <sighs> And I was kind of mad, too. I really, really enjoyed Eastman. I really felt like we could have gotten more. You know, and people were complaining about a 90-minute episode, but I could have had another episode with him. You know, oh, no, I knew he was going to die. Oh, I knew he was, too. There was no way. He was, it, was a, it was a one-and-done bottle episode. There was no doubt. 
But I enjoyed the character so much that I was even kind of not misty or anything. I was just upset that we were going to lose him. But it wasn't because we were losing him. It was because we lost him that way. Yeah. Uh, they they did enough to show that he can handle himself. Exactly. And he has a six-foot stick in his hand. Like It's unnecessary to get anywhere near the walker. If you can get between them, then you could get that stick on that zombie anything just shove it shove it out of the way drop kick it (sighs) nothing a single walker is legitimately zero danger right i mean there was a part when eastman was face to face with the walker and all he did was sweep his leg out from under it and And then yeah stab its head i was like (sighs) so this was a letdown for the episode of me that he gets bit you know in the back of his shoulder or, you know, under his arm, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this was not no. good. He was bit strangely low on his back. Right. Like a love handle bite. Yeah. Which I he just, has plenty of. So that, uh, like I said, that was a letdown. And, uh, and uh, uh, this, it seems like to have all the other detail that was so good and all these correlations to have that missed up. It really it bothered me. Yeah, yeah. They could have just come up with such a better death scene, you know, or cause of death scene. Ah, just really disappointing to see, like I said, a lone walker take down a character like that. Pick mm. bad taste in your mouth. Yes, it does. It very much so. So they do the little deal here and you know reconverse and he's like here's not here you know did you did you understand what here's not here i have my theory on it but what what do you think ah man nothing i don't have a theory on it i don't even want to think too much about it i don't know what i felt like when he says here's not here is is that you know this is not what life is. There's more to it. And, you know, like you live here or like that, you know, like he said in the episode, life is people, you know, and without it, there is nothing. And so I think there was a correlation of here's not here to that. Does that make sense? That's kind of the vibe I got. Uh, maybe, you know, I, I, I try not to get too, in depth on a show like this. Right. You know. So Eastman takes the, the, the zombie that bit him and takes him over to the graveyard, I guess. And then all of a sudden you see Morgan just out in the woods chasing things. And then he comes up on these, this Walker that has this cool spinal cord stick, you know, exposed. Oh, his back's all open. Yeah. And he stabs in the back of the skull and toast like that. And then there's two people and one's on the crutches. And they put the chi- the can of chicken noodle soup in the bullet, you know, and then go away. I liked this scene. I thought it was neat, but the timing was so weird. I mean, Eastman just got bit, and then all of a sudden you're out saving folks in the woods. I think this was like a kind of a a weird editing choice. Yes. Um, I would like to seen this part when. He's still in the process of getting away from Clearside. Like this is during training. Right. And this is one of the first signs that 
I'm not clearing anymore. Right. Like it's an accomplishment of what Eastman's done. Right. Um, the fact that this happened just randomly right after Eastman gets bit, and he looks like he's already gone full back crazy. Um, I thought the timing was very strange. Yeah, almost could have been a another scene you could have shaved off. I, I kind of agree. It's like, oh, wait a minute. The bullet has significance. Let's find a way to get it in there. I mean, what sucks is I, I like the scene. Yeah. I thought the scene was, you know, very well considered and written. It just And then it's like insult to injury. He returns. He does the good thing to find the goat being eaten. You know, Tabitha's down for the count. Yeah. You know. So then he takes Tabitha over to the gravesite, and Eastman's over there digging the grave. And this is kind of when you – this is when you kind of realize that, you know, this guy's going to live by his code all the way to the last moment. But then Morgan finds the gravesite that says Crichton, yeah. Dallas Walton. I was like, oh, boy. So then we finally get the story and that he actually did do the 47-day – starvation yeah uh did you expect this kind of in a way i did i actually hoped it would be like i said I, I i felt like this guy had a dark side or everybody has that that tale you know where they went they hit rock bottom you know and this guy obviously had to hit rock bottom at some point yeah the one thing that i did like about it is it gave you a plausible explanation of why he was out in the woods and had been surviving this long, which has got to be at least two or three years now. Okay. And been doing the way he is. I do like that. You know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, re- I really liked how they put all that together. It was that really good punch of, okay, yes, this guy did hit all the way to the bottom. Yes. There's a relate relatability to Morgan, the whole nine yards. And, I thought it was pretty cool. I enjoyed that part of it. Oh, absolutely. I love it. The fact that he's like, I got my revenge and it didn't help. And a matter of fact, it made it worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, cause he felt bad about himself becoming a monster. And the fact that the revenge didn't have any positive effects on him was like just double bad. So the fact I could easily see him turning from that point and shooting up, you know what I mean? Right. I agree. Um, this one, of course, this is when he says that, you know, he's sitting at the table and he's, all right, now, my homeboy was getting sickly really, really fast. You know, you know, some people get bit. I remember when Bob got bit, you know, and he didn't get sick or sickly or anything like that for a while. What, you know, it seemed to me like a couple hours and he was already turning pale, sweaty, high fever, and toast. Yeah, they are just so flimsy with these zombie rules. So at this point, I try not to think too much about it. Because think about Jim. Jim lasted a long time before they left him by a tree. Yeah, no joke. You know, so at this point, man, I I really try not to think about it as much. Uh, You know, I just, if you got 90 minutes of an episode, I mean... And it's just two characters the entire time. Got to put the, You got to keep them details consistent. I think for that, if people want this show to have Emmys and and get accredited and do all these other things, those things have got to be sharp. You know, 
but I think if we just created way too big of a palette to be able to do it. No, they're just too many showrunners, too many rules, changes in rules. You know, it's like at some point you just got to go on with your vision and you can't worry about what anybody else did behind gotcha. you. All right, so Eastman tells him, I'm ready. There's a gun out in the lockbox, and they start going out the cabin. Did you notice the enormous arrow on the wall? Did you see this? No, I didn't. It was so random. I mean, like, I'm talking like had to be three foot tall by four or five foot wide and was the centerpiece of the living room in the back of the cabin as you're walking. You never get to see this wall until that point of view. And I didn't know if this was just some giant Easter egg pointing at something you're supposed to see or something. I don't know. I watched it twice. I didn't see it pointing to anything that made sense to me. But Probably not. You know, but completely random to see it. Just but, you know, cabin here decoration. Right. So, of course, you see the scene where you see Eastman's gravesite, and all of a sudden Morgan packs his crap and takes off, you know. And, of course, you see him walk across the sign. You see Terminus, you know. Uh, Do you think there was enough gravesites? If this guy is killing and burying every walker that comes across his cabin? Not even close. Shouldn't there be about a hundred out there? You know, it, it gave you the interpretation there was probably around a hundred, but still, you're going to be encountering probably a walker, especially with a goat out there going, ah, you know, you're going to be killing a walker at least once every two days. And let's just say once a week. Let's just say once a week. And that is very reasonable. Okay. We've been doing this for over two years, okay? At that's, least 100. That's, that's over 100 right there. And yeah. that's that's low end of my bid <laughs> yeah. on that. So Well, in this, in this episode alone, they kill six or seven. True. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, at least six, seven, if not yeah. more. If not more. I mean, God. that's seven graves or six or and seven. And we graves. buried Tabitha, so Tabitha Eastman. <laughs> you know, <laughs> filling the yard up quick. Yeah, I mean, you'd be running out of space. You'd be burying yeah. them like the old refrigerator box style. Well, not only that. Let's think about this: How many zombies or walkers did Morgan kill before he even met Eastman? I mean, we're t- we're stacking them high and on fire. Yeah, but he didn't care about burying them. <laughs> no, but I mean, just think about that short period of time, how many he dealt with. Yeah. But I don't know that Eastman was out wandering around looking for him. True. Just if one came on the property, he'd kill he it. dispatched it. That'd be it. Yeah. Unless one came hunting for his love handle, and he couldn't handle it. It's like his Achilles heel. Right. You know, <laughs> and I hate to say this, but it's just one of those details I'm like, come on. My man Morgan, okay, we're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. My man still got a nice cropped haircut. His beard is not scraggly. <laughs> My man Eastman, yes, he's balding. You know, he's bald, good good portion of it. Clean shave. Nice lines. Nice lines of his <laughs> hair. I mean, just... I just think that if we're two to three years into the apocalypse, most people you're going to meet are going to be scruffy beard. You know what they're going to look like? The wolf that Morgan has captive. Thank you. That's what they're going to look like. Right. 
And they're going to be difficult for them to look clean. Dirty, homeless yes. looking. Even the guy on the crutches was clean shaven. Meh. You know the girl looked worse. You know, the girl looked rough. Yeah, she looked apart. She but my man was clean shaven. <laughs> Whatever, man. I mean, did he not hit puberty? I mean, you know, did the apocalypse stop that? I mean, come on. Maybe it was so, blonde. little things Fine like that. We're kind of... <laughs> so, the end of the episode ends, of course, like we kind of predicted, you know, he smacked the wolf in the head, didn't kill him, and so this whole little story was him telling him that, of course. And... <sighs> And the wolf just kind of looks at him like, I don't care. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get out of here. I'll kill everybody. Even the children. Then he lifts his shirt up. And it looks like he just has a really bad infected wound. It's not a zombie bite, of course, or he'd be No, it actually looks like a stab or something. And he's, you know, I'm looking for medicine, da-da-da-da. And then Morgan just kind of shrugs it off and then leaves and locks the... (laughs) Screen door. Screen door, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is a metal door, but I think I could kick it open with my feet. Doesn't matter when there's windows in the place. (sighs) Such a liability. Yeah, this is... um, I know we got a good feedback from Matt on this about how you just can't trust Morgan at this point now. Yeah. He's obviously trying to keep this a secret. And if this guy were to get out, he could kill one of our good characters. You know, it makes it... Very difficult for Morgan to be trusted. His, you know, all life is precious could put the rest of the group in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, Matt said, um, I'll pull up the feedback here. Uh, Morgan said, keeping this dude seemingly seemingly in secret, which I would definitely say this is in secret, um, really feels like Morgan is untrustworthy and liability. Um, He might just have to go this season if this keeps up. And it's too bad. I really enjoy Morgan. So, I mean, now, not to be spoiler-esque or anything, if you watch Talking Dead, it is what it is, and it was announced, but Morgan told us that this was episode four, but he did not film it until the end of the season after he said he filmed five, six, seven, and eight. So... Uh, Morgan, spoiler talking. Yeah. Um, Lenny James kind of spilled some beans on that, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't always mean much. You know, but you really think about it. The people, they go really in-depth to to have these bottle episodes with backstory. I can really only think of one off the top of my head right now that was killed, with a, that had that kind of episode. And that's Bob. We got the backstory on Bob, you know, like him suffering and drinking and doing all that kind of stuff yeah. and everything. And then he died shortly after that. We've done Michonne. Kind of a Tyrese. He kind of had a little bit of a, like a folk, not a bottle, but a focus episode. And then he died, you know. But like a full, full episode. I remember when no. Michonne, we did Michonne, we did, we did, you know, a few others. And they're all like big cast members now. You know what I mean? And so does this mean Morgan's going to become like a steady full time, you know, season to season character? I mean, I hope so, as I love Liddy James as an actor. But I do I don't, too, but I got news for you. One thing's got to change. This attitude of everything's life's precious and you can't kill, that's not going to make it. The moral compass is going to have to go now, out the window. I hope he gains a balance of, you know, sacrificing one, you know, to protect the many. You know what I mean? 
I mean, that just makes sense. Right. Eric said, the emphasis on Morgan no doubt sets him up to be a primary character. He will be acting, uh, he will be as an acting as a force to keep Rick and company from turning into the future Woodbury. You agree with that? I mean, I think at this point that they're all pretty connected to the Alexandrians. You know, other than Rick, possibly. You know, Rick's the only one that's not just fully on board with the rest of the people. But hell, the rest of the people are dead. You know, it's only people that can handle themselves that are basically left. True. So, Um, something else Eric said, uh, keeping the wolf hidden is not something he likes at all. As well as, it violates Eastman's you-can-stay-or-go approach to healing Morgan. Um, that's a good point. I think Eric's right on the spot. You know, like, he let, he talked to him, he led him like that and stuff, and then it's like, you know, you have the choice. You can stay or go. Or Do you agree with I mean, I think Eric's got, I think Eric's got something there. Or is it too early for that scenario yet? They made a point to show Morgan locking that not only lock it, but he that had a door. pause and he thought about it. Yeah, it's almost like he considered not locking the door and giving him that option. But then he thought twice about it. Maybe he realized, yeah, he's going to kill people. No, I, th- I think, let's start out. This is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping this is the balance. Right. He's like, yeah, I don't want to kill this guy, but I'm also not going to give him the opportunity to kill my friends. You know, that just makes sense. Well, like a lot of people say, if this wolf guy ends up becoming a situation that leads to the death of a major character or something, I'm going to be pissed. Because we've kind of played that card already a little bit this season of we do this, we do that, that we shouldn't have done, and it's led to troubles in the future for other people. I hope hope we're not playing that card again. Yeah, let's hope not. I mean, that's basically what the Nicholas card is that was just played. Very much so. With the Glenn situation. So, you know, I hope it's, uh, I like redemption arcs, but we have a lot of them going on right now with Gabriel and all that type of stuff. So it's, I I don't want everybody to be on a redemption arc. Right. Uh, David said uh, he thought the episode was good. Um, He wasn't sure why Morgan called him a cheesemaker. Uh, he did try to make cheese, but it didn't define Eastman as a person. He <laughs> he made Morgan a lot of meals. Uh, could have been referred to him as the sandwich maker. Uh, <laughs> I guess the cheese maker comment in my mind could have been more towards a pun that that's the one thing he couldn't do. You know, I mean, he tried and tried and failed, and it was awful. And that, yeah, he kept. And trying. it kind of had a little humor to it, you know. Yeah, and so. Every time you called him a cheesemaker, it was kind of like a slap in the face to a point, you know, a little humor behind it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was I was fine with it. Yeah, but he could have called him Eastman. No one would know who it was. True, <laughs> true. Amen. Um, so the preview for next week looks like we're going right back to Alexandria. Um, yep. You know, we and it looks like it's going to focus on Jesse, her kids, Carl. Um, Do I see a possible Ron trying to attack Carl? Yeah, it gives you a little bit of a. It shows him like pulling a knife from his hip, and yeah. then all of a sudden you see a, a knife stab into the ground, and Carl's kind of turned. But you know, Walking Dead has done so many times. They give you this, this, and this, and it's completely different than what they're actually going to show. You know, 
We also get a scene of Maggie taking off. Oh yeah, Maggie's loading up, and it's it's a it's a we have another go find somebody arc coming our way. You know, we've already had this arc with her. Yes, and Glenn. and Glenn. <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. Yes. And um, if know, only like she had predict- this kind of pizzazz towards her sister. <laughs> Maybe they would have got there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Poor Beth. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, Beth. But, you know, I think, I feel like we're going to go down that road. Um, you know, Talking Dead had a little five minute, not even five minute, like a one minute scene at the end of it that talked about, it showed another preview and it was a picture of Deanne and she was looking at like the first wall placed by her husband, you know, when they were building the exterior wall. And all of a sudden you hear this hollering out, open the gates. And it's a very distinctive voice. Um, You know, this lit up Twitter, this lit up Facebook and everybody. And everybody is under the conclusion this was Rick hollering, open up the gates. You know, so it gives you, which really surprises me. Because I don't see them giving that kind of information away when we're kind of left with a cliffhanger of what's going to happen, what's happening with Rick and what's happening with Glenn. Yeah, there's no fear with Rick. Yeah, exactly. He is the truly untouchable character. Yeah, I mean it's there would be legit riots if something happened to Rick. I agree. The show would be like. I'd be. I think I might be close to being done with it. You know, if Lincoln was to leave, it could be gone. Oh yeah. I mean, he's the only massively layered character. Yes. Now I love some other characters on the show. Now, I mean, I love Glenn. I hope Glenn's alive. But I love I'm Carol. You. If they Darryl. confirm he's dead, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be so just floored with the of the lack of impact of his death. So, yeah, his his story arc in the comic book is uh, amazing, and they have not finished anything with that, or even come close to going down his road. And he has so much left, you yeah. know, to give. And man, I hope they go that route. And I, I really hope they have not killed him. Yeah, me too. And anyway, yeah, that's about all I got to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, the the after show with Talking Dead, they talked to you know Eastman and Lenny James, and they talked about this. And I thought there were some cool little things that that cabin they were in, the whole little the whole little place, and this cool river thing they were beside while they were doing this training. All this was shot on location in Georgia. I thought that was really neat. Um, you know, it was an untouched property that they used. It was just. It was really, really done. Like I said earlier, this episode was shot in secrecy. No one else was allowed there um, to see anything. It was they were kept and contained. Uh, they had talked about you know here, here's something about the you know the Aikido training. H- how many days do you think that he got uh, Eastman got for this? Probably a day. Um, five days of training, and that's 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 what he had before he started this whole little episode. I mean, that's fine. As long as Seagal was the one training him. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Seagal. Whatever. 
Anyway, uh, did you have any other feedbacks or anything pop up? No, man, that's about it. Yeah. Um, well, other than that, guys, uh, I think we're going to call it, man. Like I said, really enjoyed episode four. Uh, here's not here. Really liked it. Uh, we appreciate the, some of the feedbacks we got. Um, changing some things up. We changed our picture on our website and Facebook and all that. Uh, if you like it, hit us up. Um, but we, you can always reach us for anything at uh, Bleed TV Podcast at Gmail dot com. We also have at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter, as well as we have a Facebook page. And so we love to hear from you guys. Add some more information. Anything in questions. Um, we're getting some requests to, to do some different shows coming up. Um, you know, we usually, we picked out our top four or five to do since we're kind of still a young cast, but, um, people are starting to ask about these new preacher and, um, into the badlands. And we even got some requests to do Fargo. Um, and it's, by the way, it is really good. I've, I've, three or four episodes in and I'm really digging it and I'm almost wishing we had got into it, but, uh, maybe next season. But uh, anyway, other than that, guys, we really appreciate everything doing. And if you got a few minutes to give us a positive review, it always helps us, um, build our show and try to add stuff to it. And, uh, but other than that, I think we're going to call it and this is bleed TV and I'm Zach and I'm Jake and we're out.